Hello, everyone. Welcome to the My Amazon Guy podcast, Friday podcast, live Q&A. Today, we have Matt Davis joining us, our advertising director at My Amazon Guy. Hi, Matt. Morning, afternoon, evening, everyone. How are you? <laughs> Morning for us, right? Uh, Matt Morning for us out here on the West Coast. That's right. <laughs> We're both in Southern California, and it's 9 a.m. for us, 12 Eastern, right, Matt? <laughs> We're here uh, to answer any and all of your Amazon questions, Walmart questions, any questions that you might have regarding the Amazon space. Matt is an expert in all things PPC, so let's make sure we get some <laughs> really good PPC questions today. We'll go ahead and just start off with the questions. James says, recently launched a product and set the price very low. I decided to increase, but the price on listed disappeared and seems like getting suppressed. Is there a rule for increasing price? There's a second part to the question here. Due to low price and can't increase it, losing money a lot at the moment. Yeah, all right. That yeah, so I'll respond to, I feel like that there's a little bit of a hybrid, that's a that's advertising as well as listing and I'll, I'll let you sort of, I know you're a listing expert. Um, but from the PPC side, I, I would say that generally you wanna avoid um, increasing a price on a listing more than like five to 10% a week. If you start to do, and I don't know how, how much of a price change we're talking here, James, but if you did a significant price change that can lead to a search suppression, as well as if you are selling a product that has other sellers, right? It's this, it's the same ASIN, um, delivered by a different seller. If you're no longer the most price competitive, you might also just be losing the buy box. And that might, it might not be a suppression per se. You might just not be winning the buy box anymore. And that's burying you. So your competitors are eating up all your sales. Uh, Jason, and yeah, Matt's, uh, Matt's right there. You know, you can't increase your price too much. Are you selling your product on another marketplace? Is it a brand uh, health issue? Amazon's seeing it cheaper somewhere else uh, and suppressing the buy box. But yeah, usually five to ten percent on an increase um, is is safe as long as the the price is the same in other marketplaces. James, all right, Zeke, thank you for the super sticker. Zeke says, "Hey, Jason, Amazon placed my brand name in the beginning of the title. Is there a way to remove it?" Well, in certain categories, it is mandatory to have the uh, brand name in the beginning of the title. Supplements, grocery, a couple others, health and beauty, I think, uh, premium beauty. And even if you put the change the title and don't have the brand name in the front, Amazon will automatically put it in the front. Uh, anything to add there, Matt? No, I mean, that's pretty much a listing issue more than PPC. Yeah. All right. Zeke says, when I create a new listing, I create it as a child variation. So it will be easier to add another child variation to the future and to avoid messing with plot files. Any problem with this? So this can cause issues. I, I see what you're doing. You're, you're making a parent with a single child for no reason, just in case you might wanna add uh, children uh, at some point. This can cause category issues, um, indexing issues. I would shy away from it until you're ready to um, parent something together, you know, color variation, size variation, style variation, whatever it may be there. Um, but uh, that's that, I, that's, Pretty much it. I don't think you have you have anything there, Matt. <laughs> no, also not also a listing, not a PPC issue. Yeah, I uh, got you. Let's find some PPC questions here. Oh, that's um, all right, here we go. Jaleel says, using whiskey glass or whiskey glass gift set as example keyword, is there a way to tell if these or any keyword in general would perform better in a broad phrase or exact match campaign before testing? 
Before testing, no. Um, other than, you know, if you have Amazon access to Amazon data tools, right? Third-party data tools, whether it's Helium, whether it's Jungle Scout, Zonguru, whatever your uh, data, tool, data tool of choice is. Um, but in terms of actually how well it's going to do with your products, your brands, um, applied on your listings, your advertisements, there's really only the one way to do that, and that's to test it. Now, what I would say is there are some not all testing methods are created equal right there are better more efficient ways to test um so you know one of the methods that i really like is called gold panning um which is um you know so in this case you'd you'd create a a keyword match campaign usually phrase match with single word keywords right single term root terms all you know the the nebulous web terms or, or keywords that you want to rank for um, and then set the bids really low, set the budgets really low and see what happens, right? What will happen is an off, off our times, times that are less competitive, um, when your other competitors go out of traffic or sorry, excuse me, go out of budget. That's when that campaign will run. So it'll, when, when things are expensive, it'll sit there and not do anything. When things are inexpensive, it'll allow it to run. Um, and that'll allow you to sort of see which terms sort of are centers of gravity for, either indexing for traffic or indexing for conversion. Um, but, you know, you, that's another thing that um, auto campaigns are good for, you know, generally start with a low budget auto campaign, check your search term reports, see what terms are ranking, and then go from widest to narrowest, right? So usually you go from a term that looks pretty good in auto campaign, move it to a broad, see what it does. And again, I favor a conservative budget and bidding strategy because if things are not indexing, you can always turn up the juice. Um, you'll get data if you go the other way, but you'll just spend a lot needlessly. I'll tend to talk a lot. If you guys are awesome. Um, we got some more PPC questions here. Let's go uh, with Great. Karen. Karen's a longtime viewer here. Karen says, part one and two, since it is known that whenever we make manual targeting campaigns, only a very small number of targets will generate data impressions, then why not just make a campaign with 50 to 100 targets? So then this part two here, and let the Amazon system determine which targets will be the ones to generate data. Currently, the best practice is max 20 keywords in a campaign, yet approximately only get only five get data. Yes, I mean, it wouldn't be any different, right? If you were to change that 20 to 100, still the top five would get data. And the, the other 95 would sit there and do nothing. So it would still be pointless, right? The reason best practice is to limit the number of keyword targets is because you have to remember your budget that you're allocating for that campaign is divided by the total number of keyword targets. And so what happens is whatever brand you're selling, whatever type of product you're slanging, right? Um, there are going to be a certain number of terms within that space that generate the majority of volume for keyword search. And those terms generally are going to suck up all your budget. They're going to suck up all your clicks. We call it CPC or PPC for a reason, pay per click, right? So you have three or four or five, whatever it is, heavyweight terms that eat up all your budget and the rest just sit there, right? So it's a much better practice to take those other 95 terms that you want to test. Really, you should be using auto campaigns and category campaigns, can't, excuse me, category campaigns effectively as an augmentation on your research. But if you want to research with manual targeting specifically, Right. You'll be much better served. It's not like they charge you by campaign creation. Just take the next five and go create another campaign and allocate a different amount of budget that you're comfortable with for your second, your keyword six through ten. And then that's a great way to, to guarantee that you can test them for real versus doing it the way this person is talking about, Karen. Um, 
you know, the, the bottom 95, you're never going to know what you have. You're never going to know if they're good keywords or not, because they're just going to sit there and not get impressions and not get clicks. Awesome. Awesome. Yep. Uh, there you go, Karen. Uh, all right. Zeke says, part one, I sent my friend a file of UPS shipping labels and Amazon warehouse labels to print and send to Amazon warehouse three different SKUs. Part two, what happened if he mistakenly labels the MasterCard incorrectly? <laughs> the FNSQs on the items itself labeled correctly. So what will happen is Amazon will check everything in. They'll crack open the master cases. They'll scan the SKUs in. If they're the correct FNSU on the product, then you'll be fine. But you'll probably get a flag, uh, a little red thing on the shipment when the, uh, probably the day after or a couple of days after they check in. And it will say there was a problem with your shipment and it will say, you know, your master cartons were labeled incorrectly or something like that. And then you'll have to take a little test. <laughs> it's like a little, uh, I acknowledge that I made a mistake. I'm very sorry, Amazon. And then you have to read the like rules of like how to do a shipment and then click acknowledge. And then there's three questions and you have to get all three of them correct. They're super easy questions. And then just click okay. If it continues to happen, they will, um, the, all kinds of stuff can happen. They can, you know, um, charge you for uh, labeling like per unit, even though your, your labels were good, but your labels were bad on your cartons. Um, they can limit the number of FBA shipments you're allowed to send in per month. They can reduce your, your storage space, all kinds of different stuff. So one time thing, two times thing, not a big problem. Anything uh, you got to add there, Matt? No. All right. <laughs> no, I, would, I would not presume to uh, proceed the master on that. Shahara so, so says, uh, I have a product on Amazon. It is very limited keywords and only one main intent keyword that drives 75 to 80% of the sales. If I don't run PPC on it, my sales drop. If I do my PPC orders, outshines my organic, hence increasing tacos. What should be the strategy of PPC with minimal keywords? Cannibalization, Matt. Um, no, I don't think this is an issue of cannibalization. This is just you have you have a very limited sort of a steep um, we call that sort of a steep um, target opportunity, right? Where you have a few number of targets that everybody is gunning for because those are the conversion driving. And as a result, I'm guessing um, that uh, his cost per click is very high and that makes it a struggle for him to convert effectively. So the, re the answer is you have to keep targeting that, right? Because it does drive 70, 80% of your sales. Um, I would I would play with the bid, right? I would bring the bid down until, so you won't, and that will slow the traffic, the velocity of traffic acquisition, right? The, the more conservative your bid, it's going to, you're going to get impressions and therefore clicks at a slower rate, right? Because you're going to get beat out by more of your competition that's willing to bid more. That's fine. You still have to bid against it because it's so important for your intent and your sales, right? You have to still index for that term. But what I would try and do is reduce bids to a place where you're not breaking the bank to bid on that term. Um, it doesn't have to generate profit per se. It just can't sink you, right? And then use that term as sort of a jumping off point. I would maybe do uh, what we at my Amazon guy call a strike zone, um, which in this case, you know, see what in addition to this target, right, uh, you can look at brand analytics or you can do a Cerebro search, but see what you are already organically indexing for. Um, likely there will be other terms that you're organically indexing for. Um, 
then sort obviously for relevancy and volume. You have to have a certain amount of search volume and it has to be relevant to the type of product you're actually selling. Um, and then see what the discrepancy is there between what you organically rank for and what you sponsored rank for and where you might be able to improve on the sponsored side. But um, the bottom line is you need to find a way to branch out, find lower velocity targets that you can still sort of convert here, there piecemeal, even if it's not going to drive the lion's share of your sales. And then bid, you still have to bid on that main behavior because you can't afford not to, but you just got to play with your bid until it's not costing you an arm and a leg, even if that means you lose some overall traffic, which will slow your rate of orders ultimately. Awesome. Awesome. There you go. Sure. All right. Eddie says my newly launched ASIN won't show in attributions, open several cases and phone call, but still not fixed. My ASIN is mapped with brand. Keep getting generic response to map the ASIN with the brand. It's a brand node issue and just a newly launched ASIN that it's not linked to attribution yet. This is pretty common. Um, are, are you ticketing through brand registry to make sure that your brand node is connected to the ASIN? Do you have the brands tab available uh, in your seller central dashboard? Uh, can you connect a plus content to it? Uh, that's usually a couple different signs. Uh, if you go to create your brand store and it says you have no listings that are, or you have no ASINs that are connected to your brand or no products connected to your brand, not anything on the attribution side to add there? No. Uh, the one thing I'll say, though, is a general tip. Anytime I get stuck with um, Seller Central cases where I'm filing emails and getting the same generic response, what I will do is you kind of have to navigate your way through the system, but you can basically always get a call from Amazon if you walk through the support system and follow the right steps. I don't have those steps in front of me, but you can always find a way to get a call. Right. So what I will normally do when I get stuck, uh, as Eddie is here, is I will find a way, even if I'm not precisely reporting my exact issue exactly as it is, I might go to other. I forget what the exact route tree is to get there, but I'll get a call and then I will reference the support case number of the email ticket that I filed. So they have something in front of them. And then the other tip is when you're filing email support cases, make it super duper easy for them, like a freaking five-year-old could follow it. So the one thing I like to do is screenshots, right? And I walk it through, like I'm explaining it to my nephew or my niece, right? Um, I'm very, very, you have to break it down super simplistic so they can see and then visual aid and they can really follow the steps. Um, and if that still doesn't get you resolution, get a human voice on the phone and then reference that case so they can see it and put yourself at their mercy, right? What do I need to do, right? What are the steps I need to get this across the hump? Here, right, here's the goalpost I'm trying to get to. How do I get there? Help me help you. Perfect, perfect. Agree. If you all else fails, try and get someone on the phone. Mm -hmm. um, sometimes that doesn't help though either. <laughs> I mean, you, you, you will have to troubleshoot there, right? That's not that's not a guarantee. Uh, Fernando yeah, says, hi, Matt. Fernando. <laughs> that is our uh, that is one of our senior PPC managers, Fernando Acevedo. He's fantastic. <laughs> if you're one of our clients and he's on your account, you are in great hands. All right, Jaleel says, I know that 20 keywords is a max for a campaign, but do campaigns perform better when there are there's only one to 10 keywords versus up to 20? I had a campaign that had 16 keywords and eight weren't really getting data. So I split, hold on a second part here, split it up, eight each, and now both campaigns are doing very well. There you go, Matt. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, mean I think I think Jalil, you're right. You're right on the money. I think you are um, you're progressing very nicely. Um, that's exactly what we're talking about, right? Is um, 
splitting them out and you have more budget control that way. And the one note I want to make though is the, the whole idea that 20 is the max keywords, right? That's, that's just an industry standard where they say it's generally bad practice. And actually I was just at Prosper conference a couple of weeks ago and they asked a panel of experts and literally every single one of them had a different number. So 20, whether it's 20, whether it's 10, whether it's a dozen, you know, some people said as few as five or six, um, it's going to depend on the, the expert that you're talking to, but as a general matter of strategy, right? Jaleel is right on the money, which is you start to get too many keyword targets or any kind of target product targets, anything in a, in a single campaign. What happens is the, the ones that are the, the centers of gravity in terms of traffic eat up all your budget and the rest of them sit there and do nothing. Yep. We see that all the time. Awesome. All right. Jeffrey says we want, or we still want to add text into the product description field, even though we have a plus because the text will add to the SEO. Yes. Question mark. I still do. Well, yes, but it's important, <laughs> to, it's important to note that we've we've done, Stephen's done, Stephen Pope in particular has done a lot of A-B testing on this. And we know that A-plus content is also crawled by the Amazon um, algorithm for, for yeah. all sorts of I, I think this is specific to the description, the hidden description. Oh, uh, yeah, the, yeah, there's, yeah. There's also certain categories and uh, vendor central for, for example, that uh, a lot of the vendor central listings for some reason show the description as well as the A plus content. So uh, something to think about there. As a general rule, every opportunity to uh, keyword stuff without making it horrible to read for humans is is generally the good, like that is the art of it, right? The, the bots, because as Steven says, right? Like keywords are for the bots and then the text, right? Images are or for the people. So every opportunity you can have to um, create additional space for indexing terms, you want to you want to maximize that use. I have a funny story. Uh, well, let's hear it by all means. <laughs> so I'm I'm always saying you know the titles and the bullets. Nobody reads them. They're for they're for SEO only. You know that's that's not true. You, you know people read, but for the most part, but. Uh, Steven was uh, in our IT chat the other day and he was like, I accidentally bought a Mac keyboard and I'm, I'm a, I'm a PC. How do I take screenshots? It doesn't have a, it doesn't have a control. <laughs> <laughs> and I look, oh. he, linked, he linked the listing and I looked at it and it says such and such keyboard for Mac, like as the first like line. And I was like, proof, nobody reads the titles. <laughs> I thought that was funny. That's I don't know. <laughs> All right. Um, but, uh, you know, speaking of real quick, uh, just wanted to share Mag School. We are today only um, having a catalog course free for the first, I think, 10 people that use the promo code Good Friday. That's in all caps G O O D Friday all caps for the catalog course, go ahead and put that promo code in. And I think the first 10 or 15 people will get um, the course for free. Uh, sorry, odd pitch there, but I was supposed to do that at 15. Those are great value. <laughs> Those are great. I we, wish. Uh, all right, let's go back to questions yeah. here, Matt. Uh, Jaleel says, we use a PR company to get magazine and TV placements for certain products. Is there anything PPC wise we can do to make sure Amazon algorithm favors a product during and after are new traffic increases like specific keyword campaigns or higher budgets and bids? Yes. 
I mean, increase your budget really, if you're running that's your a really broad ride, question. Double yeah, I mean, your budget. As a general rule, right? The the more aggressively you bid on any behavior, the more often, the more speculative Amazon will be with your ads, the more places you'll show, right? Um, probably all things being equal, the less often you'll convert, right? The wider the net, um, the more the more likely you are to get less relevant traffic. Um, but that's, that's a pretty general question. Yes. I would say always you want to find the behaviors that you think are going to convert the best for you and, and double down on those. Right. Um, in terms of, uh, offline, can you go back to the beginning of that question really quick, Jason? I just yeah, want to read sorry. it. Um, cause I want to make sure I'm answering all of it. They're running, they're running. We're uh, using P to keep, yeah. So the other thing is, um, Amazon is getting heavier and heavier into attribution targeting. Um, so that comes in several forms, um, primarily in display or DSP right now. Um, that is, it depends on how big your operation is, right? DSP is a fairly sizable uh, initial investment to get involved. Um, but even display, uh, I would say attribution targeting. Uh, and when I say attribution, that means, you know, buying data traffic from sellers, right? CPM rather than CPC payment models. Um, demographic and interest targeting as opposed to strictly only search behavior targeting. Those are some of the key differences, right? Um, that's for, for anybody that does Google or Facebook, right? That's, that's old hat for you. You're really familiar with it. That's not really, there is some of that in Amazon, but that's not really the meat and potatoes of Amazon. That is changing. Amazon is moving more towards attribution. So I would say that take a look at display and DSP as campaign types. Um, that is going to become a bigger and bigger part of Amazon's overall ad, you know, ad offerings. Um, you know, at the end, at the end of the day, that's what they are. They're ad sellers. Um, so I would say that that is probably, and that ties right into off Amazon placements, right. And video TV magazine, all sorts of, third-party placements, smart TVs, et cetera, all the things that traditional Amazon placements don't allow. Um, so I would say start digging into that because the next year is, you're going to see an explosion of that on Amazon. Awesome. Thanks, Matt. All right. Matto says, what is the best option if I have three well-performing ASINs on a brand that has just been accepted by brand registry? Lots of positive reviews. Can I switch these listings over through seller support? Yeah, I mean, we, we do brand name changes all the time. You're going to need... Uh, to um, do this process through brand registry and sometimes also seller central where um, you're just changing a piece of data you're not changing the reviews or anything like that um, you're all you're changing is brand name now to new brand name right um, you will need photos of cell phone photos of your product with the new brand on the packaging or the product itself affixed as though it um, cannot be peeled off, but they're really lenient on that. I've used stickers before uh, with the brand name, um, <laughs> all kinds of different stuff. But um, yeah, you, you're gonna have to do a brand name uh, change on all three of those if you want to switch over. And it's not going to affect your reviews or anything like that, as mentioned, unless your brand name is a curse word or something and you get adult fights. <laughs> all right, Lewis says, uh, Hi there, quick question. Say, oh, really sorry. Quickly, before we move on from that question from a PPC perspective, um, now that you have brand registry and you have three well-performing ASINs, sponsor brand campaign, sponsor product brand spotlight. Too. Nice. 
Lewis says, hi there. Quick question. Do you negate your good converting terms across your different match types to have better control on exact match or other match type? I have heard so many different things about this. <laughs> yeah. And this is one of those ones where I think you can make reasonable people can disagree, meaning you can make compelling arguments for both sides of this. Um, I am of the opinion that you never negate good. You never, I don't even really, I'll tell you, I, Lewis, I very rarely even negate poorly converting relevant key terms, right? If it's relevant, if it's relevant to your product and it has search volume, I almost never negate it. I will severely bid reduce it over time, right? Um, to me, bid reduction is a much more effective way. The analogy I like to use is, right, like um, if, you get, uh, if you get a severe wound, right, you can get antiseptic treatment, you can get penicillin, et cetera, or you can amputate. Right. Both are effective, but you want to try and use the penicillin first if you can. Um, so that's kind of how I feel. So with good converting match types. Yeah, I do think you move them across campaigns to have more control. Absolutely. Exact campaign hero targets are where you ultimately want to go. Right. That is the most control. Um, and what you do is you let them build up indexing over time. And then as that one has indexing, you let that exact match become the dominant bid. Right. So that will steal all the traffic away from your lower bids in broad or phrase match anyway. It, they, won't, they won't generate impressions or clicks, right? Um, I very, very rarely, unless there's, you know, I'll never say never in, ad, in ads. I tell my team all the time, you know, if you ever get a client question where you're not quite sure, it depends, you can, it's, you're never lying. Um, so it's very rare that you have absolutes in advertising all the time. So there's always an exception, but generally speaking, I don't like to negate or pause relevant terms with volume Ever. I'll just bid, reduce, bid, reduce, bid, reduce down to the minimum bid until they're not costing me any money. But if it's relevant and it has volume for my product, I still want to try and index for it on a cost effective basis. That's just my opinion. You can ask. I'm sure there are a half dozen other ad people that you can go to that will have different opinions. This this question comes up all the time. And I think even I've contradicted what Steven said. And then like, but like Matt said, every, everybody does it different ways. <laughs> I think there's even disagreement within our own ads department, like even within, yeah. within my own team, there's some disagreement um, within my leadership team in terms of the best way to go about this. So um, Lewis, that all that is to say that reasonable people can disagree. Um, let the only thing you should be dogmatic about is the data, right? Yep. Let the data drive you everything else in terms of what philosophy works best. I'm agnostic. I'm, I'm a fundamentalist to the data. All right. Wayne says, do you use the sponsor brand benchmark report? Is the data accurate about how much other sellers bid in this category? Yeah, I mean, I think that usually suggested bids and any data that Amazon gives you is usually the best data, right? So sponsor brand benchmark report, brand analytics is a new tool. The search term query report is another new tool. If it's directly from Amazon, it's in my view, it's superior to third party data. Um, now, does that mean it's always 100% applicable directly to your brand products, listings, et cetera? No. Um, you should all use them as data points, right? So you should use a third-party data tool of some kind. You should be using your search term reports from your auto campaigns and research campaigns, right? You should be using your brand analytics reports, your search term query reports. You should you be using your targeting API. Um, the coolest thing about being an Amazon PPC over the last year has been how much development of these data tools. Um, every 
two months, it seems like there's a new data tool. You know, think about all the budget rules, bid, uh, rule-based bidding. None of that stuff existed six months ago. Um, there's at least a dozen other examples like that. So use everything, right? I wouldn't give too much weight to any one data point, but yeah, I mean, it, Amazon data, it, it's from their black box. So it's going to be superior data to third-party data, usually. Perfect. All right. Kevin says, good afternoon from Lakeland, Florida. Hey, Kevin. All right. Kevin. Got this one from It's Calvin. What's the best way to regain the sales back after having an inventory gap about a month? I'll tackle the the catalog stuff and Matt, you can tell sure. them how to relaunch on PBC. Um, depending on uh, what you said about a month. So uh, oftentimes we'll scrape the listing, redo everything, SEO, copy, title, um, essentially create trying to create a relaunch. A, 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 there's no new honeymoon period here, but um, it does, it does seem to help, um, with that, uh, then, um, make sure your inventory is in, uh, you might have to lower your price and then aggressively, uh, relaunch your PPC campaigns, Matt. <laughs> yeah, no, I would say, um, even though this is kind of not directly PPC, I'm going to go back to what Jason said, right? First thing is make sure you don't go out of inventory, right? Yeah. Like. That's so important. Um, it's 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 not a light switch, right? It's a flywheel. So every time you stop the momentum, it's like you have to start it over again. So um, I will even when I have clients who are telling me because look, logistical challenges. It's been a, a common occurrence, right, in the macroeconomic environment that we're in over the past couple of years, right? We all have shipping and logistic challenges, right? Um, when I work with my clients and they're saying, you know, they'll let me know, hey, on this ace, and I'm going to run out of stock. I will go in and turn the turn the volume on the PPC way, way, way down um, because there's no need to spend to go out of stock. Right. Um, so that's the first thing. Um, now, relaunching. The number one thing I'll say is you're not um, you're not a newbie with data. Right. So I would still go back, go into your campaign manager and scrape all your old campaigns. See what you can learn in terms of where did you convert well before? What were the centers of gravity in terms of impression and click generation before and then conversion? Right. Um, let that inform your strategy, um, in terms of how aggressive you want to be, that's a little bit more, that's not going to be cookie cutter, right? That's going to be what your growth, that's going to be impacted by what your go-to-market strategy is. What is your landed cost? How much profit margin can you accept, right? Like what is your budget? Um, all those goalposts are going to matter. I would need to know that from you, Calvin, before I could say, here's how you do it. Um, but generally, like Jason said, you're not going to get a honeymoon strategy. In general, my philosophy is I can always turn up the juice if I'm not spending enough to get impressions and clicks. Um, the difference is if I'm not getting impressions and clicks, I'm not losing money. If I'm if I come in hot and I'm getting aggressive. Yeah. Is that speeding up the accumulation of traffic? Yeah. But you're going to waste a lot of money. And it's important to note, um, and I don't think this is clearly understood enough, that when you have campaigns with lots of traffic and zero converted orders, right? So a lot of people think that if they just turn up the juice, that that equals more indexing that, oh, even though I'm not converting well now, if I just more and more aggressive and spend more money and get more clicks, even if I'm not getting orders, it's going to help my indexing over time. If you are getting a ton of clicks and impressions, but no orders for a certain behavior, product, et cetera, that's actually having the opposite impact. 
Amazon algorithm, the A9 algorithm is a learning algorithm. What you are telling, what the consumer is doing is telling the A9 algorithm, yeah, I searched for red hat and I saw your red hat and I didn't like it, right? So the next time someone searches for red hat organically, you're going to be less likely to appear, not more likely. Um, the whole purpose of the algorithm is designed to give the consumer the best end user experience. Uh, they don't care about us as sellers or really don't care about us as marketers, right? Um, so I, would, I wouldn't change my aggression level, right? Like whatever I would normally do as a go-to-market strategy with PPC, I would still do. Thank you, Matt. All right. Ryan says, uh, I noticed on my H10 alerts page that a random seller became an active seller in my listing. And then a few minutes later, they went away. What does this mean? So it means either in the H10 alerts sometimes do this, um, do false flags, where especially if it, you see it happen real quick, or someone hopped on your listing. Um, if, it, if the alert told you um, the seller or anything like that, but um, then they went away. So it's <laughs> pretty much it. <laughs> um, all right. Karen says, uh, I've determined in order to keep tacos low, I should be spending no more than $30 a day on PPC. Is it best to have a few campaigns with larger budget or wide net of campaigns with smaller budget? Matt? Um that's also going to depend somewhat on how big your product catalog is. Um, generally with low budget. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to focus on fewer products and fewer campaigns. Um, some people have different philosophies about this. My philosophy is it's better to do a few things well than a lot of things poorly. <laughs> so um, I think that if, especially with $30 a day, that's really limited to me. That's like small two or three campaigns. Max is like really all you can afford. Um, you know, there are different, I, I know Fernando, my PPC manager would be like, no, you should create every type of campaign <laughs> type and just put it at a dollar a day, even if, and just let it run. Right. Actually, um, Fernando says you're the best, Matt. <laughs> I know because he knows because I'm reading his mind ahead of time and he knows this. Right? <laughs> Fernando uh, and who, and you know, he's, he's very good at what he does. So, you know, again, with PPC, right. There's, there's data, there's data points, but lots of different philosophies, right. Um, so what works for you is ultimately what you should do. Um, so he would say, right, Fernando, my PPC manager would say, yeah, create every single campaign type that we would normally create. And if you only have $30 of budget a day to spend, then we're going to create eight to 10 campaign types or 12 campaign types, whatever the number is. And we're going to, you know, set the little ones of the sponsor display campaign at a dollar a day. Um, my opinion is you want to get there as soon as possible, like you do want to cover all your gaps, right? Because that is ultimately advertising space that if you're not spending on somebody else will spend on. But with that limited amount of budget, you need to be focused on data accumulation and efficient data accumulation as much as possible. So for me, I'd be running an auto campaign and a couple of maybe a keyword target and a product target and maybe a brand campaign if I can afford it. Right. But that's even that's kind of like yeah. because you're not going to have the budget to get enough impressions, enough traffic into the funnel, so to speak, to tell you anything useful. Um, so then what I would do is I would just run a couple of campaigns with enough data, hopefully to make it useful, and then try and really leverage those search term reports hard so that if I am going to like slowly look to expand my budget, um, because I do think, Karen, um, that might be the case for now that you have to limit your budget to keep tacos slow. But at some point, you're going to need to expand your budget to ultimately get where you want to go, right? So it's like, um, for those of you guys who are, uh, who are into fitness, right? It's like bulking versus trimming. It's very hard to do at the same time. Um, usually, you kind of have to go in stages. And that's why it helps to have a really well-developed go-to-market strategy. 
right? If all you are doing is setting up campaigns and dartboarding, right? It's, it's better to have a, a thought out six month, doesn't need to be super long-term, but three to six month go-to-market strategy for PPC on Amazon. Where do I want to go, right? Because it's important to remember that sponsored and organic indexing are like this. They're like yin and yang. They one, as one goes, so goes the other. So as you, I mean, you, if you, if you shop on Amazon, you, any, anything, right? Search for uh, a product that's commonly searched for on Amazon. You won't see organic products above the fold, right? It'll all be sponsored results until you scroll down. Um, so it's important to remember that at some point you need to drive sponsored indexing, knowing that enough conversion on sponsored indexing, Amazon doesn't care where the order came from. If that search behavior leads to a conversion, it's more likely that you're going to get organic search return for that on the next time. Um, so that's where you, yes, the ultimate goal is lots of revenue with very little, very efficient spend, right? High, high revenue, low cost, low top cost. That's where everyone wants to go. But you're never going to get the order velocity that you need to be successful as a business long term on $30 a day. You're just not. awesome. Thank you, Matt. All right. Kinsey says, uh, how many different variations of product should you drop for your first product after you build the hype? Oh, man. So <laughs> that's a tough too one. many variations can hurt conversion, first of all. Um, but if let's say it's a color variation, uh, stay away from green, yellow, purple. Those colors don't sell well in most categories. Um, but uh, this is just up to, depends on what type of variation. Is it a bigger size or, you know, is, is it a different color? Um, this is all on, you know, what, what you want to, your, your growth strategy for your product line, essentially. Um, Matt, you, you have anything to add there? Yeah, I would say, again, um, this is kind of uh, similarly how you can do gold panning with, with targeting. You can do also, you can do gold, what they call gold panning with product selection. And this is a good opportunity, right? Which, all right, whatever variance you have, um, set the set it up in an auto campaign or a broad a broad match or a phrase match campaign where you you let you set low bid low bids and low budgets so you don't overspend and you just let the traffic see where the traffic goes and see where the conversions go and then once you start to see what will normally happen is you will start to see one or two or three at most usually it's one but at most three variants that will be like oh those are the ones that yeah. people like and then you really can start to focus in on those around your advertising strategy and kind of ignore the, the, so the, one thing the, the drivers will, right? Cause if it's a swatch, right? If you go to a shirt, right. And you click on the ad for the white shirt, you arrive at the listing for the white shirt, all the different colors are right there. So if I actually wanted a blue shirt, right. It's right there and I'll find it organically anyway, most of the time. So not to say, right. Again, it depends on what your go to market strategy is and how much budget and you know, how efficient you need to be all those things that are unique to your business. But, um, let the data, let the data guide you. One thing to add, you know, and I've seen this a ton is don't fall in love with your hero, um, you know, variation, essentially. Um, this happens all the time where somebody will uh, order, uh, you know, four different variants of a product and they'll get like 5,000 of one size and then like 500 of each of the other. And they're like, oh yeah, the, definitely the one that I ordered 5,000 of, that's gonna be the most popular. I did my research and all that. And then one of the other 500 ones just picks up and goes off and sells out. And then they're like, oh. <laughs> so that's a good note, right? Like, and it's important, right? It's because it's important to do research, right? You should be doing research. You should be doing external market research. All the things that a prudent business owner should do. Of course, of course, of course. But 
you don't you haven't really done your research unless you've run an Amazon ad campaign or rightly you've put up a product and tried to sell it on Amazon and let the data guide you. Right. That's that's the only real world research um, because it's right. That's specific to your listing, to the competition that's on Amazon, your price point, all those things. Right. You really can't simulate that externally. Um, you can get clues, right. Guideposts, so to speak. Um, but yeah, like Jason was saying, that's what I mean by saying, let the data guide you. You might have a product that you think, oh yeah, this is the hero variant. We'll see. All right. Adam says, I know larger companies are able to list virtual bundles of variations at parentage. I assume they do this through flat file. Do you know how? I can't figure it out. I'm not good with, and I'm good with flat files. Sorry, you are good with flat files. There's certain things large brands get to do there's different names for it, uh, premium EBCs, like one of them, they can put videos and 360s in their A-plus content. Um, uh, I haven't been able to put bundles in a variation. It's something that is access to like exclusive large brands like Nike and Samsung and, and those kind of brands. Um, am I missing something here, Matt? Yeah. No, no. Yeah, I'm pr pretty sure that, that that's something exclusive that you can't ask for or apply for. And uh, I don't even remember. I, there used to be a number of ad spend per month that you could uh, apply for premium EBC, but I think that number went up significantly. I think it used to be like 40000 a the month. Only, the but... only premium threshold I'm aware of from a PPC perspective anymore is for DSP advertising. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that does involve a lot, like a variety of, perks right but it, it for for managed for managed spend um it's like 35k monthly in ad spend and for even for self-service you still have to be approved and it's like 10k monthly so um it's a it's a pretty high barrier to entry for some of those premium features zeke says thank you sorry i didn't have ppc questions no problem zeke. it's okay man i gotta be here and riff with you guys whether you're asking them or not Ravi says, if I do wholesale, is it a good idea to go for PPC? He's doing a wholesale, probably some sort of arbitrage. Um, if you, I mean, everybody's business model is different. If, yeah. if when you say wholesale, if you're doing B2B, at the end of the day, if you're selling on Amazon, if you're selling, if you're trying to sell through a listing that's facing a consumer, then yes, because like I, I said, you won't even, you could be organically ranked number one for a search behavior that you, that you care about you still won't be above the fold. So There's how you issues here, Matt, with, with, uh, with other sellers selling the product as well is what is probably. Yes. Yeah, so you have to be there. careful where the one, the one key that, thank you, Jason, the one key thing you have to be careful with there is with sponsored brand or anything like that. Um, you'll get brand and we've had customers that are uh, clients that have had this, right? Like you'll get, um, a brand analytics campaign or a brand result, uh, a uh, brand video campaign or whatever um, that tells you you're converting a certain way. And then you'll go and look at your business reports and you're like, why doesn't the numbers match up? Because it will count conversions from, it'll count the success of campaigns that lead you to other, right. That people that brought your product from other sellers. Um, so that's the one thing you need to be wary of is, is it your product or, cause if it's a brand store and there are other people selling the exact same brand exact same product, do you control the brand store? Right. So that's the one thing. But yeah, I mean, if you're trying to sell more on Amazon, you almost have to do PPC these days. You don't have to you don't have to spend an arm and a leg. Right. There are many ways to skin the cat, so to speak. But yeah, we, we have not do it at all and just depend on organic is you're going to get 
you're going to get pushed out by your competition. We have wholesale clients that, that they all run PPC, um, certain products. Yeah, so, um, but if there's other, there's another part of this question that makes this kind of makes this make more sense here. Can he get exclusive rights to sell a product from the brand owner? Um, you mean, the, yeah. Yeah, you can become a brand registered agent. the The brand is going to have to register for Amazon brand registry, and then give you uh, and then give access you to the brand. Exactly. Now, if they don't have, uh, you know, an Amazon can't sell an Amazon clause or something like that, on um, you know, they're still distributing the product. As long as there's other people, you know, if there's, there's other people selling it, then you know, they're not counterfeit. They they kind of are allowed to sell it essentially because they bought it from the manufacturer what you would get with this exclusive rights thing would have to be an outside of Amazon thing where they're saying, okay, Ravi, you're the only one that's allowed to sell on Amazon. Here's the legal paperwork and all that stuff. We're going to make sure all these other people don't sell on Amazon. Or, but for the brand registered um, thing, you'll have control over the brand registries for A plus content, brand store, brand sponsored brands, ads, uh, 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 campaigns, as Matt was saying. So sorry, Matt, go ahead. Yeah, no, I was just going to say, uh, or, um, you know, you can, what I've seen other vendors work out is, okay, well, we'll give you an exclusive rights, meaning when our existing distributors run out of inventory, we just won't resell to them, right? That's another way it sometimes works. But that's a business arrangement that you would have to work out with the brand owner and really doesn't have too much with Amazon, do, do, oh, excuse me, doesn't have too much to do with Amazon, right? You would, uh, you would arrange that with the brand owner. They would follow a prescribed series of steps to make you essentially the administrator over their brand registry. Um, but that's not really a mechanism that you would, you'd have to come to an agreement with brand owner off Amazon before you did that. All right. Karen has another PPC question here. I'm going to, I'm going to slam this one and then Matt, you can, you can go for All it. Right, uh, part one and two, one thing I have been doing and it's been an effective method to keep my costs and talk as low set account level daily PPC budgets. No, Karen. no usually this account that. budget gets hit, which causes some PPC campaigns to be paused. Oh, what did you think? Of course, oh, yeah. No. Before they use their budget, no. using this account yeah. level budget has been great for me to keep costs right. and pockets. You want to go first or should I? Don't do this, Karen. Please, You're getting please, bad Karen, data. <laughs> yeah. You're limiting your growth and all the, all the data you're getting with this there, account level. There, are, yeah, there are so many better ways to control your budget <laughs> than top level. I, I'm <laughs> anytime a client tells me to do this, I, um, I plead with them not to, and it yeah. never works out well. Anytime a client has done this, I've never, I've never seen it. Oh yeah. It does sometimes lead to a temporary reduction in cost, um, but almost always comes coinciding with a drop in total sales. Um, so no, for a number of reasons, right? As Jason mentioned, um, it's going to muddy the water in terms of your search term data, right? You don't know if, for example, right, like if you're at, and depending on the product, what if you have a product where the shopping behavior is usually people come home after work and from 5 to 8 p.m., that's the prime time they buy your type of product. Depends on what type of product it is, right? You set an account level budget. You're never making it there. You're never even making it to the sweet spot, right? And you're not going to know that. Um, campaign level budget control and bid control are much, much better ways to control costs. Don't be lazy. Don't be lazy. I know it's tempting to set that little one top level. Oh, 
account level budget budget cap. Boom. And I just walk away and it takes me five seconds. You're hurting your sales. You're hurting your indexing. You want to find the most cost efficient possible way to keep every campaign you want to run to run 24 hours a day, seven days a week. If you don't want it to run because of some other reason, right? It's not effective. It's not getting a good day, whatever. Then that's a decision you make at the campaign level, not at the account level, right? Please don't be lazy, right? Like go in there. If it's not converting, chop its budget, right? It's important to note that the, the more aggressive you are with bidding and budget, that is telling Amazon to be more speculative, more aggressive with your advertising, right? So by chopping budgets, by reducing bids, you will get more cost effective. Takes a little longer to do. It's much healthier for your account. Please, like it's again, I'll never say never on anything, but there's I've never seen it work out well long term. Please don't do that. Is that clear enough? Okay. Anything else you want to add, Jason? <laughs> no, sorry. I'm, we have a lot of questions, so we're going to have to right. fire. All right. I'll, I'll turn it Oh, up. you're good. You're good. Talking, I just dude. scrolled down. Okay. Um, Kashif says, you guys are best cert. I fix in PPC. How guide me? Um, I Go to magschool.com. Go to magschool. Yeah. We, I, I, <laughs> me and my team just created a PPC course. Mag-school.com. There's a PPC course the right price there. Price slap. And Matt had a very heavy hand in writing uh, this, uh, uh, the courses, and also the uh, assessment, which um, I had a hard time on that assessment. Well, good. <laughs> it's meant to be challenging. Uh, you know, I don't want us putting our names on it if it's not good. It was, uh, it was, it was very challenging, for sure. Um, I take that cool. as a compliment. All right. It should be challenging. Uh, Ahmad Karg says somebody asked this question on LinkedIn. So just repeating, I'd like to know your idea about keyword isolation as in negating keywords and phrase to move to exact as well as negating and broad to move to, move phrase. to phrase. Yeah, I know. And, and again, me, my PPC manager, Fernando might have a, a different take on this. We might have to get him on the next podcast because he's got a lot of great things. He will, yeah. He will be joining us uh, at some point for sure. He's, he's, been, he's, asking, he's been asking. Oh, yeah, we might have to get him on here and, and me and him can argue about this. Um, <laughs> yeah. That's, that's what you guys should I, do. Again, I don't like to, we kind of covered this already. So like if it's relevant, if it's irrelevant, right. If it's irrelevant, okay. Negate it. Right. Like if you've got 30 clicks and no orders and people are just telling you, you know, the consumer's telling you, I don't like you for this behavior. Yeah. Okay. Negate it. But if it's relevant, and you want to, and you want to get right. Like I, I, to me, bid reduction is just a better way than negation. Right. So I'm not saying don't move from broad to phrase or phrase to exact. Yes, that is right. Auto broad phrase exact. That is the funnel that we're all moving through. Right. But to me, bid reduction, bid control, right. Putting the most aggressive bid on whichever one match type I want to drive the most traffic to, to me, that's still the best way to do it as opposed to negation. Perfect. All right. Hold on one second. I lost my place in the questions. All right. Enrique says. <laughs> I think he's got to be talking about it. He's talking to you, Matt. <laughs> All right. Maz says, uh, I'm currently selling a product in the UK and I'm looking to expand the US. When I try to add the product using ACE and EAN and .com marketplaces, I need brand approval. It looks like the ACE and EAN is gated to another brand, even though I own GS1 EAN. I did contact support and they said that in order to troubleshoot the listing in amazon.com, you're required to have ASIN in your inventory as you do not have SKU in the contacting.com marketplace. <laughs> this is okay. Oh boy. Okay. You wrote the How same you, question. 
four times. Thank you, Maz. We did. We definitely got the question. Um, I have to like peek over the question because it's. <laughs> Dude, you you it sounds like All right, I'm going to get rid of the question here because it's bothering me. Um, it sounds like what to say. Make sure you get somebody started. has your brand registered in the US. <laughs> That's not you. And you're trying to add a listing with that brand. You don't have permission to list that brand. Other other thing, if if the case is nobody has that registered, your EAN GS1 is registered to that brand, right? So so um, when you're trying to upload that product in Amazon. Uh, Amazon's not seeing that your brand registered in the US. So what I would do here is see if you can get your trademark for your brand in the United States before you even put the listing up, to be honest. And if someone already has that trademark, you're going to have to think about rebranding or, or something like that um, because you're not going to be able to, because that GS1 you, uh, Yan is connected to your brand. Um, likely, most likely scenario is you just need to register your trademark in the United States and then register brandregistry.amazon.com and then you'll be able to uh, list your product with the brand connected. I hit everything there, Matt. Yeah. All right. I mean, I feel like you're- Eastern says, uh, how does Amazon determine which variation is the lead variation, which variation shows as the main picture and price? Certain categories, the parent, will be the same image for all the products. This is in like clothing. Um, uh, it's mostly clothing. <laughs> I can't offhand think of some categories, but with, and all the rest of the categories, which child will um, show up? It'll be the one with the most sales velocity that's getting the most sessions uh, and the most uh, sales essentially. And the most relevant to the, and the most relevant to the search to, as, exactly. as well, meaning, right? Like if you have, um, backend alt text, image alt text that shows like black shirt, right? Mm -hmm. And you search for black shirt. Um, Amazon's learn Amazon's algorithm. That's why they call it a learning algorithm. So it will try and show the most relevant search behavior uh, based on what the consumer searches. Uh, Jeffrey says, uh, if I go out of stock for my FBA inventory, but still have my FBM inventory, is that okay? Or does going out of FBA stock still cause issues with Amazon? This is good that you have the backup. Um, will it decrease sales? Yeah, you don't have prime shipping anymore. Um, you're gonna you're gonna lose some some conversion for sure, but it's better than going out of stock like we talked about earlier. Way better. Um, and just make sure you keep that restock going in uh, every every week. But you, you're in a safer place than the the question earlier where the person was uh, out of stock for a month and has to try and do a relaunch. Jason says, should you include box packaging in the main image? Any data on this? Um, this is <laughs> some some categories, Matt, um, where like it depends how premium looking your packaging is. Um, it, it, like, it, he's talking about product and then the box next to it or behind yeah, it or something yeah, like that, right? Time. So Dog, dog treats and stuff like that. I like to see the product in front or even food products. If it's a cookie or something, see the cookie and then the cookie packaging. Uh, this is very category dependent. The pick food and A-B tests on these go wildly in different categories you know, one way or the other. And it also depends on how appealing your main, your packaging looks. Does it look premium or does it look like a you know cardboard box? Obviously you don't want that in there. Anything on that, Matt? Um, 
out there. Yeah, no, I mean, I, yeah, that's why I like I like the Q and A B testing. I think let the data guide you. But you know, if you read the Amazon terms of service or uh, in terms of what they want for their main images, or if you have um, like for example a Cerebro uh, Google Chrome tool, it will tell you that they want the picture of the main. You know, a main image is uh, picture of the product on a white background. Um, I think Jason, you know, Jason's better on the listing stuff than me, candidly. So he says in the bank, but I will say um, <laughs> as often as possible, I like to stick very closely to Amazon guidelines on stuff like that. There, there's some things like here's an example um, where you need to have relevance uh, in the main image and Amazon's Show okay context, with it. Absolutely. Like this yeah. is a little thing that goes on a camera tripod, right? Right. If I was just selling you this, show it in use, you're going to be like, what is this that? doodad? People are just going to be like, what is that? A, a screw? Yeah. So you totally. can put like a silhouetted version of like a tripod underneath it. So it's saying, oh, this is the this is the, the little thing I need. Right. Um, I forget what these are called, but <laughs> the thingy. But um, uh, mattresses, if you go look at the, all the mattress category, there's not a single one in there. Maybe one that is just a picture of the white mattress. It, just uh, it's not going to convert. All of them are staged in a room with some pillows and all that. Office chairs, another one. If you go look at all the office chairs on Amazon, they're all next to a desk in an office. You know, looks nice. You're um, touching a really good point right now, which is whatever your product, go look at some the competitors. of the competitors in terms of the ones you want to be where they're at and see what they're doing. Reverse yep. engineering. Usually, if they're doing it, it's it's okay there's a gray area on the main image a lot of times in certain categories um but ultimately a b testing your main image is what you Let want to guide you always all right remote fulfillment in canada from us worth it how does it work um you uh you sign up uh for remote fulfillment narf um you uh, go through a process of uh, making sure that your listing gets moved over to canada then you'll go through a like hazmat type Canadian type thing where they go through to a process to see if your products actually um, passes all the reg Canadian regulations or whatever import stuff. And um, then it's uh, pretty much set it and forget it. Uh, all of your products will be fulfilled from the American uh, US fulfillment centers and sent to Canada. Um, is it worth it? Yeah, we, we pitch it to every single client that has a product that uh, is allowed to be sell sold in Canada. And it's different for each product, uh, anywhere from one to, you know, 6% of annual sales, I'd say somewhere around there uh, for NARF. Yeah, that's the, the one caveat is right. Anytime the, the U.S. market for Amazon is the 800 pound gorilla. So anytime you're moving off Amazon U.S. to any other Amazon marketplace, just know it's a smaller market share significantly. Um, so, you know, until the day we get Amazon China, right? Um, Amazon US is the is the much larger market than any other Amazon market. So just ha as long as you expect that, right? In terms of what it's going to do for your sales volume. Yeah. All right. Forensics Detector says you're a machine, Jason. I'm not the machine today. Matt's the machine. Always, every day. He's exactly right. Julio says, does Matt do... Weekly or biweekly PPC checkups for certain clients' accounts, or would you just continue to get his coaching call? So, uh, oh, sorry, go ahead, Matt. I'm not going to speak on behalf of you. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I do. I um, obviously I think team he, real here. quick though. I think what he's asking is, do you offer a service? Um, oh, where 
I myself, do, yeah, yeah it's, it's the coaching. <laughs> Matt is heavily involved in all of our accounts at PPC. He directs the department. He has uh, some great uh, ads managers, and we are in our clients' full service and PPC clients' accounts every day. Mm -hmm. um, do we offer a service? Yeah, it's our PPC only service. <laughs> but um, we also do coaching calls. Yeah. If you want me to take a look at your account specifically, I'm happy to do that. If you want a one-on-one uh, -on -one with Matt uh, or anybody else on the team, you can go to myamazonguy.com and go to the coaching page. And Matt does coaching calls on everything. Still updated. Still says I'm on <laughs> All right, let's see here. Uh, Casey says, my product is out of stock and I decided not to reorder because the launch didn't go well. Does having a non-closed listing with no stock impact my IPI? It would be a few months until my product reaches Amazon. So I'm worried if I delete the current listing, can they close my account because of inactivity or something like that? So your IPI is gonna go down for restock uh, metric unless you really didn't sell anything um, on that. Um, you do run the risk of your account being flagged inactive, even if you deleted this SKU. Um, all that is, is when you, when you do eventually have something that you're going to sell again, um, you'll just have to go through the registration or the confirmation process again, where they have to confirm that it's you. So you get a call or they send you a postcard with a, a code on it and you, and you just resubmit everything. Um, and then they'll activate the account again. But there's no issue with deleting the product, especially if you're never going to sell it again. Um, uh, this, deleting the SKU, I should say, off of your um, Seller Central. And that'll avoid any kind of IPI hits as well. Uh, it should after a, a, a certain amount of time. Matt, anything you want to add there? Nope. All right. <laughs> Julio, oh, we already did that one. All right. Project says, do you guys, do you have a general tip for when a PPC ad shows up for a keyword you are ranking well? to prevent cannibalizing organic sales what do you think matt um be careful about this um so i think that generally if you if you suspect that your ppc campaigns are actually stealing orders that you would get organically and the best thing is, i mean bid reduce right um that's the best thing to do is just to bring those bids down um to a place where you notice the change in the velocity of, of traffic. And when I say traffic, impression, rate of acquisition of impressions and clicks. Um, so bid reduce and see if dropping your ad spend down, right? If your ad spend drops and your overall revenue stays the same, then you're right. If your ad spend drops and your overall revenue drops too, then you are not right. Um, and it's important to note that there will be inevitably some overlap between organic and sponsored because the um, ranking is so corollary. There's so much correlation these days. Um, but yeah, no, that's, the, you know, I would A-B test it, right? I would start bringing down bids for certain campaigns or behaviors that I thought maybe I would are, are cannibalizing my organic sales and just see what that did to my top line. Awesome. All right. King Ken says, I'm from Twitch. <laughs> Welcome. Hi, Twitch. Twitch says there's a lot more people here. I only see one viewer on Twitch right now. <laughs> but yeah, there's probably a lot more people uh, for sure. Uh, Ramon says, how much does photography cost in the UK? Anywhere from free to $50,000 a photo. 
Uh, Karen says, Stephen Pope is a big, big advocate of starting out with fixed bids on all campaigns. What's your stance on this? And please explain what needs to happen to switch from fixed to dynamic down only. Ooh, that's so a great that question. Karen's got some <laughs> great questions. In um, yeah, no, I actually, and this is something that um, I actually, Stephen and I, we've, we've disagreed with in public before on this. Um, I think that we're mostly aligned. Look, fixed bids is all things being equal kind of the go-to to start. That doesn't mean it should always be your go-to, right? Again, it's going to be very dependent on what your go-to-market strategy is, what your specific landed cost is, your budget, what's an acceptable A cost for you, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but so, I, you know, in terms of aggression, if you want to say what's the most aggressive versus least aggressive um, bidding behavior, right? Um, and I'm leaving aside rule-based bidding for now because that's a whole other ball of wax. I don't want to touch on this question. Um, and it's not even available for all campaigns, right? Um, but so um, dynamic up and down is generally the most aggressive. Fixed bids, followed by fixed bids, followed by dynamic down only. So it's not that you can't start with dynamic down only. It's just that generally speaking, it will acquire traffic at a slower velocity than fixed bids, right? So it depends on, you know, Stephen, and he'll even admit it, he's famously impatient, right? So uh, the fact that he would always go to fixed bids makes perfect sense to me because that is still a prudent course of strategy, but you're going to acquire, generally speaking, all else being equal, you will acquire a faster rate of impressions and clicks with fixed bids than dynamic down only, simply because dynamic down only at times when it's lower quality traffic, you're going to, you're going to bid reduce, right? So you won't get the same level of traffic. Um, so my stance on this is, you know, I've told you, I like to come out of the gate conservative because I feel like I can always turn up the juice when I'm not getting impressions or clicks and it doesn't cost me anything. Whereas if I turn down the juice after I see that I'm wasting spend, I've already spent a lot of money. Um, but just, you know, the reason he likes fixed bids is like, think of it like the Glock and three bear story, right? Fixed bids is the, is the porridge that's just right. But that doesn't mean if you're like, uh, the reason I, I tend to favor candidly, I usually start with dynamic down only on new campaigns, new products where I don't know anything um, because I would rather start slowly and more conservatively. Steven would rather index and get traffic more quickly. And that's why he favors fixed bids. <laughs> Thanks, Pat. All right, Karen, thank you for the super sticker. Karen? Um, Boz says, just to clarify, the ASIN and .com marketplace is linked to a different brand, not your brand. Oh. <laughs> um, is the EIN, can you make a new ASIN? Is, it, is the ASIN already present in the US marketplace? Uh, sorry, let me clarify this. Is the ASIN that's linked to a different brand in .com the actual product or a different product? Let us know um, real quick. Uh, Kay says, I have a single product listing. want to test two variations. Should I add one variation at a time and wait a month apart or add both at the same time? Matt, Matt just covered this a little bit ago. Uh, put them both in there. The the consumer. Oh, no what? reason to wait. Yeah. <laughs> I thought you were disagreeing. Yeah. <laughs> no. Yeah. No. The consumer yeah. Will no, no reason to wait. Both. If you have yeah. red, if you have red, black, and, and, and gray, two of them, two of them are going to win. Um, bottom line uh, one of them is going to be a loser <laughs> the key thing is the key thing is just bid is is just bid and budget control right as long as you keep your costs low you can test a lot of different stuff bid and budget that's right king ken says you guys are amazon gurus i've been doing so much research and you saying letting the data guide you was really smart just do it and follow the data that's right I appreciate you yeah. <laughs> 
I mean, that's really the only thing, right? That's the only thing that makes sense to be, uh, you know, dogmatic towards, right? Fundamentalist towards, because everybody's going to have a slightly different take. And, you know, there's always, there's usually more than one route to success, but the bottom line is if the data is working for you, keep doing it. And that's why I don't favor that for that reason. What King says is why I don't favor um, pausing when I, when, for example, let's say I want to, Oh, that looks good in the broad campaign. Let's move it to phrase and see what it does. I still don't want to like if it's converting in broad. I'm I don't want to pause it if it's making me money. That just seems anyway. Uh, appreciate that, King. Leo says, uh, if you have a new account with a thousand unit limit, how fast can you raise the limit, and what would Amazon raise it to? Are there API API milestones for certain bigger limits? If so, what are you? Before Christmas this year, it was impossible. Yeah. Um, now I'm seeing them raise rates on the first FBA sale to yeah. whatever yeah. number, 2,500, 3,000, 3,300, 5,800 one time. So um, once you get a few sales, if they don't auto raise it, uh, you can make a request. Um, they'll ask you how much more space you want. Be conservative, ask for 30% more. And then a lot of times when you ask for 30% more, they'll just like double or triple it because they don't want to deal with it or what have you. Um, they're really opening up. Um, the the space now as far as um letting people send more units in uh ted says just saying thanks thanks you guys i've made a lot of improvements to my account this year off your advice no problem ted happy to do um, it let's see here eddie says uh, what's your thoughts on broad modifier does that work on amazon give us uh, this uh, answer in in two two minutes less than two minutes <laughs> Um, I'm going to say let the data guide you because it's such a broad question. Yeah. The broad, broad, yeah, yeah. Is a broad question. I, get, I know. I feel what you. Is your I product? All what is your budget, right? Are you trying to build brand awareness or are you trying to, are you trying to highly focus on conversion, right? Like, yes. Everything, everything right. on Amazon, every Amazon data tool works. It can work. Permits, it can right? work. Um, I would say sort of to the same theme that I've been, that you guys will hear from me over and over again. Right. Um, start small, start conservative with your budgets and bids and see what happens. Let the data guide you. All right. Is that under two minutes? Uh, I think that was under two minutes. Perfect. Yeah. Karen says, just want to say Matt has been incredible. His insight and time he takes on each question has been above and beyond. This Q&A has Karen. been great. All that. Thanks for all the interaction. Look at this. Matt, super smart guy. Very articulate. Yeah. Thank you for joining the Q&A. My new best friend here. Fernando says, trying to butter me for a, few, a free coaching call. I feel One like. last question. Just Jay says, do you have any specific advertising strategies for premium, more expensive product compared to? Uh, yeah. 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 I will say that um, your a cost, right? You can afford the, the biggest difference universally without knowing what your product is. Jay is you can afford a lot more clicks before you're upside down on a more expensive product, right? That's it. more expensive products on Amazon are not necessarily a bad thing within reason. Right. Um, it is still a, you know, it's not, uh, it's not luxury. It's, it's Walmart. Right. But, um, but you can afford a lot more clicks before you're upside down, which means you can generally be more speculative and pay more attention to your tacos than your ACOS. Because like, if I'm buying a fridge, right, something that's like a higher priced item, the buying behavior is going to be different than like, if I'm buying this coffee, where I'm just going to be like, Yep. I searched for special friend coffee mug. There it was. And I bought it. Right. Because it's like nine bucks or whatever it was. If it's a thousand dollar unit. I might click your ad today, Jay, and go look at your fridge or whatever you're selling me at that high price, $800 price point, whatever it is. 
but then I'm going to go do my research, right? Then that's a thousand dollars. That's expensive, right? So then I'm going to go look for coupons. I'm going to go to freaking Best Buy and see what the price is there. And then I might come back and buy your product. I might decide that your product is ultimately the best for me 10 days later and buy it. But depending on the type of ad, that might be beyond the attribution window, right? So with more expensive products, pay attention to tacos, which by the way, just quick refresher, ACOS is your ad spend divided by your ad revenue. Tacos is your ad spend divided by your total revenue, advertising plus organic. So that's the difference, right? Is taco shows you everything. Jay says his taco is at 2%. What's that mean, Matt? That means he needs to spend, he needs to, you, that means your your net is nowhere near wide enough. 10 you're to 12%. Money on the table, Jay. 10, get, that, get that taco up to 10%. Yeah, you're leaving money on the table, buddy. <laughs> Find more places, more things to target. All right, last question, Matt, because this was a follow-up from the earlier case. So he says the dot-com listing shows my UK product with current unavailability has no historical sales data. Okay, yeah, this is a brand registry issue. Um, you're gonna have to get brand registered. Uh, you might be able to get the UK uh, brand registry to action this, but I doubt it. Highly doubt it. You have to go through US brand registry, and if you don't have an account there or brand registered, then um, you're gonna you're gonna fall short here. Uh, the only other thing I could say is if you're going to launch in US and you don't want to deal with all this, um, you should still get brand registered, but you can create a new listing uh, with a different ASIN. So um, different marketplaces. So, all right, everyone, appreciate everyone joining us today. Um, I uh, just shared my calendar on live. <laughs> <laughs> Hold on. <laughs> All right. Well, again, we have mag-school.com. Uh, Matt built the PPC course uh, with the uh, headed with, up with the rest a lot of, the of team. help from my a team. A lot of the a lot of the PPC team helped here. Uh, catalog course available again uh, if they haven't been claimed yet for uh, the first couple people that uh, sign up today. There's a promo code Good Friday, all caps. Catalog course free with that promo code for the first uh, ten people that signed up today. And um, if you need any one-on-one uh, -on -one assistance, you can go to myamazonguy.com, to our coaching page, and uh, you can talk with Steven, myself, Matt, Francisco, Shabon, if you have listing, a reinstatement, uh, account, anything crazy, troubleshooting problems, your account got suspended 10 years ago, Shabon will find it. Uh, Sean for free uh, keyword research, listing conversion, and sales call. And um, again, Matt, thank you for joining us. It was- uh, Happy to. You know, you know, you you know, Matt. You know, I love you. Um, uh, we got to meet you. each other the, for the first time face to face, even though we kind of live pretty close to each other. We, prosper. It was far. a great time. Yeah, an hour or so. Um, but appreciate the audience coming today. Uh, everybody, Anytime. we'll be back on Tuesday live Q and A next week with uh, Thomas Fitzgibbons. Will be our our our, um, our guest uh, that on Tuesday. He's one of our senior brand managers. And, and then Stephen Pope will be back Friday, one week from today. I know, it seems like I've been doing the podcast for the past like two weeks. <laughs> Love it. But uh, definitely we'll get Matt back on. We'll, we'll, we'll talk with Matt and Fernando. Maybe we should do a PPC live Q&A. That might be a good one, yeah. Because I know, yeah. and, it's, and I love I love Fernando. I'm like Fernando, Scott, Orkin, Enrique, those are my leadership team guys. They, they make me look way smarter than i am all the time they allow me to do things like this um but yeah That's we have good. friendly we thanks jay uh, we have friendly disagreements all the time on on little points of strategy like that so reasonable <laughs> you know reasonable people can disagree 
let the data guy. Speaking of which, Fernando says, can I have my boss back? Back at it, baby. Back in the saddle. Here we go. Thank you, everyone. We'll see you on Tuesday. All right. Have a good one.